Welcome to Core Voices. This is your space to address all of the topics and the issues that are burning inside of your heart and your soul, to go on those journeys of discovering how we can understand a lot of our everyday situations through a different lens. That's what this space is for, it's your space. Don't forget to send us your questions, stay in contact with us, reach out to us on corevoices.org or corevoices at gmail.com. I am delighted today to introduce two beautiful sisters of mine who are doing incredible work in Canada in the field of mental wellness and bringing revolutionary change for us as a community to understand and relate with this whole topic in a different way. Manith Jahal and Jasmeet Jagger are two passionate community change makers. They have over eight years of mental health nursing experience and have closely witnessed their family and friends struggle with mental illness. Alongside working in the field of mental health, Monique finished her master's in nursing in 2018, which looked at the South Asian Punjabi community's experience of accessing mental health services for depression in the region of Peel. Jasmeet has embarked her journey of masters of a masters of nursing with looking at households and is working a way to complete her research this year. Both of these beautiful sisters and best friends co-founded Sorch Mental Health and kicked off their very first workshop in April of 2015. So for the last five years have been doing incredible work in the field of mental health and the awareness of this topic in the South Asian community. Please join me in welcoming these two incredible ladies to Core Voices. Hi, ladies. <laughs> Thank you for being in this space of Core Voices with us today. We are so excited to learn more about you guys, get to know you, and understand more about Sorch and the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. We're really excited to be here. It's always wonderful talking to you. Even though you're so far, like you said, sisters. Sisters, you are my sisters. That's what we do. This is how we unite. And I love that technology can bring us together, even when we're so far apart. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> like you mentioned, I'm Jasmeet. I'm Ani. And we are best friends. And I think um, that's something that we always leave out in our bios. Um, we're both the co-founders of Soch. We're registered nurses. But we've been best friends since we were... 13, that's when we met in grade eight. So it's that's awesome. journey. <laughs> it's been quite a journey. And I think even to think back, because like we've never talked about like our career goals, our aspirations, like where we were headed. And it's just like, I don't know, like I feel, and I think in conversation with Jasmine, like we feel like, you know, things happen for a reason or like for us, like Soch is our purpose and like, this is why we're here in this life and on this path. And I think we'll kind of get into that because it's not even just the professional lens of being a nurse. I think what really speaks to what we do is our own lived experience with mental health in our home, seeing how that fits into that culture of like, you know, a South Asian Punjabi household and really seeing like looking around and being like, why isn't anyone doing anything different? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was saying, we're best friends. And like Monique was saying, we didn't really talk about what we wanted to do when we grew up. 
probably because we were dealing with our own mental health challenges at home. Um, both of our dads have struggled with their own mental health challenges. And I guess that's kind of like a common ground that we found. Um, I would always call Monique, be like, oh, this is what's happening at home. Um, so I was really glad that I had someone that was able to understand. Because as we know, mental health, like back then, no one even spoke about it. It was just like hush hush. Mm -hmm. um, no one knew what to do. So specifically with my dad, he struggled with depression, anxiety, and alcoholism was a huge factor. So from a young age, like I knew that he was drinking, you know, it was a huge impact on the family, didn't know how to get help, didn't know where to turn. Everyone knew about it, but no one talked about it. No one knew what to do. And that's when I would always just call Manit. We used to live walking distance from each other. So anytime I had to escape my house, I would go over to hers or in the park and just kind of talk about what the heck was going on in our in our lives. Mm. I and love that you guys had each other's support. That's that's beautiful. And the fact that you guys have been best friends for so long, you don't hear of that very often, right? No, it's true. Like the older you get, you know, they always say your circle diminishes, which it is true. We've, we've seen that as well. But as long as you can hopefully have at least one or two people that you're able to connect with and share your experiences with, um, it could be a family member, it could be a friend. That's so important, right? Like not to feel alone, to have that person that you can just share your sorrows with. Because yeah. we share our joys with everybody, but how often do we call someone and be like, hey, I'm crying or I'm feeling like crap today? I actually remember like so many times like she'd call me and be like, I'm crying right now or message me. I just, I'd get the typical message. I just cried and, or I'm crying and I would just call or vice versa. Like we we're just like organic with each other. Like, Hey, I'm just letting you know, this is my we cry anywhere. Like we've cried in like restaurants and coffee shops. We need cried on air, which made me cry. <laughs> oh, who knows? We really try to normalize all emotions. I think it is to normalize those emotions, but I, I think like in this, what speaks volumes is that like the work that we're doing. And I think the message we, we try to get across with everyone is that people always think like, you know, mental health professionals or people in this spotlight, like, you know, who host these conversations that they have their shit together and they don't. And that's okay. Like we're all learning. We are all human. Um, and even Jasmine just sharing right now, like, you know, her experience with her dad and him dealing with his alcoholism. We we did a live a few weeks ago on that story and it got so much, it got such an impactful response. Like so many people were moved with the conversation, but I think that goes to speak on how big the issues are in our community. And we like, you know, I think being nurses and starting Soch. I think when we were on this path, a lot of people were like, you know, you guys were starting a business, you're entrepreneurs. And we were, we would not embrace that at all. Cause we're like, we don't know anything about business. We are not entrepreneurs. We don't learn this stuff in nursing and in, you know, when you're studying health and um, working in healthcare. But I think what was really rewarding is that like our desire to always learn more. So we took this leadership class um, and the individual, Sunny Satya, who taught it from Entrepreneurs Academy, he's actually in the West Coast in Canada. But he what what, he, what we learned in that session was that until we don't open up and talk about why we started what we're starting and we don't share our story, why would people believe in our message and the work that we're doing? Mm -hmm. and, 
that entire course was all about us working on us as individuals what are our blocks um, what are things that we've had challenges with how are we navigating and channeling that into the work with Soj. and honestly i can say like since doing a lot of personal work and that's what jasmine and i do like you have a lot of people preaching what you should be doing especially mental health and wellness and i'm sure you would agree to this as well just fear is like you put in a lot to your day-to-day -day, and that is what we also put out like the things we tell people on our platform like hey you know you know you know try this or you know make sure you have balance and, and incorporate into your day like we try to practice that to the best degree that we can um to actually we like to try things ourselves before we go and tell people like hey mm -hmm. this. exactly and kind of just speaking on that transparency um like, like many, you can go on to a little bit more about your own personal experience with mental health in your home. But like with me, um, so as I was saying, like, because my dad struggled with alcoholism, didn't know what to do. When we became nurses, um, I, we both worked in Brampton for five years with the South Asian community. So we specifically worked with individuals that had chronic persistent mental illness, so like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, schizoaffective. And working with this community, we realized that the South Asian community is still struggling. Like the challenges that Minid and I faced like several decades ago when we were younger, they were still persistent when we became nurses. And we're working in Brampton, the place that we were born and raised. And the South Asian families that we're working with, they are connected to services, but they still didn't know what was going on. They didn't know how to get help, how to talk to their families about it. There was this huge disconnect. So from our personal experience of having gone through these challenges, seeing the stigma that is so prominent in our community when it comes to talking about mental health, to becoming nurses and then still working with our community and realizing, okay, nothing has changed. Like what we struggle with is still happening. That's when we, you know, two best friends came together and we were like, we need to do something we have this personal experience we have this professional knowledge let's do something for our community and that's essentially where soj came to light and that's kind of where our journey started and has continued to evolve that's incredible and it's beautiful that you felt that you could make the change you know that's often something that we hold back on or struggle with is we're expecting someone else to be the savior. Mm -hmm. and we don't realize that we're the ones who save ourselves. And how do we step into that and to model that and be, you know, examples of it is incredible. I am grateful to you for doing the work that you do. Manith, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey? So yeah, like, you know, with Jasmine sharing, you know, mental health being really prominent within our household. So my dad struggled with depression. And I think like early on, even I remember like grade eight coming home and like, you know, the curtains are drawn and it's really dark at home and, and just wondering like, why is he home? Especially in a, I think a Punjabi household, like, you know, your dad is the one who's working and, and getting an income and things not making sense. So, you know, learning and understanding and appreciating his challenge of having a mental illness and struggling with depression. And I think the interesting part is like, you know, my dad as a person loving to act, he actually was a founding member of Punjabi Arts Association here in the GTA. So he's an actor and he does, he's so engaged and so social. 
And people are like, well, but why is he depressed? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, he's so outgoing. He's so bubbly. And, you know, you even hear in our community, like, you know, like the Nukera depression, the Nukyo depression, uh, you know, you have like, you have your, your house, you have your children, like everyone's successful. Like, what is the reason? And I think even, I think his biggest struggle that I see is like the lack of support and understanding within his family. I think that really eats at people. And it's, it's so hard, even as his children, like as we tried to like get rid of his self stigma with depression. I think that was a challenge because you know, your, your children are saying one thing, but if people in your family and your relatives are pretty much talking shit about you and you already have a mental illness, how do you develop those skills to overcome that? So that's one chapter of going through like growing up and seeing it and also having to deal with his mental illness as a nurse and, during the time I was a mental health nurse and I was like, okay, now, you know, then I was younger, but now I'm a professional and I'm actually working in this field and whoa, I'm still impacted. This is such a struggle. Like as a family, we really struggled with, cause like, you know, with depression, you can have episodes and, you know, you can bounce back and regain balance, but it can happen again. And there's never like, you know, with mental illness too, it's never like people always ask when, why did it start? What was that exact point? And it's so complex. You know, in many conversation, you look at a human being and in all its elements, there's, you know, genetic predisposition. What are your social supports like? You know, who's around you? Have you learned the coping skills to deal with life? And one of the things Jasmine and I talk about is loss and how big loss is. Mm -hmm. So my dad actually passed away at the end of 2018. So that's I feel like when I that experience really got me to look back at his life and his depression. And I was like, whoa people can actually lose themselves when they lose a loved one. And his depression actually started after he, you know, I, I think he, I, I'm not like, I mean, I wasn't there. Who knows when the earliest signs of it were, but he really struggled after my Pitaji and my Thayaji passed away. So losing, you know, him losing his dad and his older brother, mm. that was I don't think he ever bounced back completely from that loss and how to deal with it. And that's when Jasmine and I, you know, I talk, I think during that process, after I lost my dad, looking at Jasmine and, you know, she'll talk about her dad and his drinking. I would message her. I'm like, Jasmine, your dad lost like his, his, uh, sister and father. Yeah. yeah sister, sister and father within one month. And I was like, if in that time, I'm like, my dad just passed away. If someone else in my family passes mm -hmm. away, who knows, maybe I'll turn to drink. I, I would turn to drinking because grief is, it's the worst. Like it is the worst to go through mm -hmm. and to take the time to work on yourself. And like, I mean, we'll get into conversation, but like with Soch, like, you know, I think what Jasmine and I do is like, we've been through experiences and we will take the time to work it out on ourselves, but immediately, not immediately, I think in parallel with who we are as beings, we are like, how do we put out other people's fires? So we started a South Asian uh, grief support group with Brampton Crematorium. And our first session was nine months after my dad passed away. And that was a very emotional session for me. Cause I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting in this room nine months, like, and all these strangers are in this room with their loss and we're all one in our loss 
So I think there's a lot of overlap with like, it's a journey of life. I think for us, this is our journey and being on this journey, seeing other people struggle. But then when we started to see our struggle, we're like starting to understand other people's pain. Mm. Yeah. Um, thank you for, for sharing that and for just giving us a little glimpse into, you know, what inspired you to be in this space to try to hold space for other people nine months after you're dealing with such a big loss, you know, that takes a lot of courage. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for believing in yourself to be in that space and creating that for others as well. Because yes, you know, but the, all of the topics that you guys have just briefly mentioned and we're going to go deeper into, they're all very serious and very important from grief, loss, depression, alcoholism, and just general mental wellness. These are all really important topics that we don't address in our community. And um, I'm... I'd love for you guys to to share. I mean, just meet. I would love for you to share a bit more about your relationship with your your father, if you're comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. I know that that can be a little bit difficult. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I would definitely say it's been like a turbulent relationship, um, especially. And I've and I've talked a little bit about it in that live that Monique mentioned. Um, so essentially, like as a child, you don't really know what's going on, right? Like. And I've even mentioned it several times, like it's, I don't actually have a memory of doing this, but because I've heard the story so many times, uh, and my dad would tell it all the time. So apparently I was like three or four years old, he was lying on the couch, he had been drinking, and I went up to him and I was like, why, like, well, this isn't Punjabi, so I was like, Tusi shrab kyo like, Dusir daddy coke pindeya, Tusi shrab kyo Right. So even that is just it's now as an adult, I'm like, that's so sad and so messed up because as a, you know, in our community, we always think, oh, children don't know, like we're fighting in front of them, we're swearing in front of them. And we kind of think that they don't understand. But literally children are sponges. They absorb everything that's going on in their environment and they are aware, even if they're not able to voice it. So from a very young age, I always knew like something was not right. Like he doesn't behave the way other parents do. Um, but I think like it was still a challenge because at that time his drinking wasn't as, I guess, harmful as it became later on in life. So we still used to have, you know, he was a great dad in certain aspects. I um, learned so many things from him, but as like the drinking progressed, my feelings towards him also started to change. And kind of like what Minnie was talking about, um, like struggling with her dad's depression while being a mental health nurse. That's like, I would say like the past 10 years, that's something I've really struggled with. The two hats that I feel I've always worn as a daughter and as a family member of someone that drinks, I'm like, you know, you messed up all our lives. Like, why would you do this? This is your fault. Not really understanding. But then as a mental health professional, I'm like, okay, you are your own person. You have your own challenges. You've gone through X, Y, and Z, which I don't quite understand. And, you know, they say addiction is a disease. So I should be more understanding and try to help you. But then it's just like that constant back and forth between the personal and the professional. So definitely it's been a turbulent relationship, but I was 
actively trying to help him for several years, like maybe like 15 years I was trying to help him. So, you know, taking him to the doctor, um, you know, spiritual counseling, like um, Munit and I do Kundalini yoga and um, Mr. Harinam Singh Khalsa, he's one of our teachers and I've had him talk to my dad, um, taking him for counseling, um, you know, to mental health community agencies, um, just different avenues like medical approaches to holistic approaches to alternative, you know, anything I could try to help mm. him. But then eventually I kind of realized that I can't be the one to push the change on this person, right? And I think that also came from being a mental health professional and coming into your own to kind of separate those two, like the daughter and the mental health professional. Mm -hmm. So I really had to eventually make that decision about five years ago that I unfortunately can't have an active relationship with my dad because it was really toxic. Like, you know, there's swearing and um, like literally every name that you can think of, I've been called. And mm. um, eventually you get to a point where you need to realize that boundaries are very important in all aspects of life, but particularly when you're dealing with addictions as mm. a family or a loved one or a friend of someone that's struggling with an addiction, you need to set those boundaries. And that doesn't mean, you know, I'm saying to everybody, you don't have to talk to this person. You don't, you have to end the relationship, but you need to realize like, how is this affecting your own mental health and what boundaries can you set that are going to actually help your mental health flourish and not make it more worse or deteriorate. So mm -hmm. at this time, I do not speak to my dad. And even though I don't speak to him, that still doesn't mean that I don't think about him. Like I'm constantly thinking about him and many right. can attest to that, right? Like we've had so many conversations where I'll be like, I'm crying or I'm thinking about my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, how's he doing? What's he doing? What's happening? But then coming back to, okay, why did I make this decision? And that's always like a huge challenge. So once again, I'm not saying that this is what's going to work for everybody, but over the years I had to make the decision that for my own mental well-being mm -hmm. um, and to kind of stop that codependency and that consumption of that toxic environment, I had to take a step back. I had to move out. And now I've had to distance myself because even talking about him with certain family members, like it brings up a lot of anxiety. So I'm like, mm. I can't do this. So I've actually set those boundaries with my family members as well. I'm like, I don't want to speak about him. I don't want to know anything about him. Even though I'm still thinking about it in my mind, mm. it just brings up a lot of anxiety. So mm. essentially boundary setting is something that has really helped me and can help anyone that's listening and is also dealing with a family member's addiction. I, I just want to add a bit to that too. Like I, I feel like I, I feel like as your friend and like being part of this journey with you, like you came to this decision with professional help. Like I think you always struggle yeah. for it. So like, you know, with you actually going for counseling yourself and then well, sorry to cut you off. That was, I actually went for counseling after I made the decision to stop talking to him, but still, like you said, talking to different professionals, no. Not in a professional setting, but like I would always talk to my coworkers who are professionals. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I and I think the other part is like I think in both our experience and in both these parallels, what we've seen on our journey with Soj is that 
we've tried to find a way to like channel our pain, right? So for instance, like with loss and grief with my dad, like I found, I still find a lot of meaning, um, a lot of purpose with channeling all the sadness, everything towards creating a space for other family members who are grieving, working with the funeral home in Brampton, you know, and, and Jasmine and ourselves, like myself, putting our heads together to design a very holistic healing journey, um, which was very well received. And what I see with Jasmine is that she is channeling all that pain and everything to her master's research, which is on alcoholism mm -hmm. and, and trying to lead, lead and create opportunities within our platform of Soch to do works work surrounding addictions and supporting family members. Yeah, because people literally don't know what the heck to do, right? Like, and, and um, addictions is actually the number one inquiry that we get. And mm -hmm. it's like family members reaching out about a loved one. How do I get? And usually when family members are reaching out, it's like, how do I get them to stop? Even though they might not say that, when you get into conversation with them and through like just personal experience and professional experience of working with people, that's usually what they want because they feel that drinking or whatever addiction it is, that's the problem. And if they can stop doing that, then everything else will be fine. So just working, you know, just because I've been through it and I've struggled so much or trying to literally like running, what do I do? Go here, go there. Like just going crazy. Mm -hmm. Now that I have the tools and I realize that working on yourself is really what's going to help you help your loved one. That's the message I'm really trying to get across, like whether mm -hmm. it's through, um, you know, my master's thesis, which is looking at the impact of drinking on Punjabi families, because in Canada, there's no study that looks at the family support model or how families are functioning. And as we know, drinking is such a huge problem in our community. Yeah. And even through, you know, social inquiries, I always ask, okay, yes, you're concerned about your loved one, but what are you doing to help yourself? And usually people are like, well, they drink, not me, so I don't need help. But I'm like, the fact that you're reaching out for help means that it is impacting you enough that you want to get this person to stop or support them. So mm -hmm. always looking in is important. Absolutely. And the things that both of you have just shared, um, like for me, they're very deep and very personal because I relate to both. Um, growing up, my my household like what you what you explained just me sounded like my home right yeah even when you were talking the other day I was just like I relate to everything like this is my house right and it's it's crazy because that's how a lot of us feel and when I was going through that I thought it was just me I thought you know everybody else has got the perfect family ours is the broken one I can't talk to anybody to get help because then they're going to know that I've got it like I don't have the perfect family so there was like there was a layer of shame <clears throat> which is kind of like socially conditioned into there and um it, it became almost normal to deal with this and um that's where the problem is when it becomes normal right we have to be able to identify and now we're able to learn these new languages of how to look at our emotions and look at our feelings and what's going on and then seek help. But I think um, for me growing up, and I'm, I'm assuming, please correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been the same for you that at that time, there weren't the same level of resources available 
at all. I mean, that's why you guys had to create Sorch because nothing existed, right? Essentially, <laughs> yeah. And just feeling some of the things, I was like going through the feels as you were talking. I didn't realize I did it, but it kind of happened that living in that toxic environment of alcoholism and domestic abuse for all of my life, um, it had a massive impact on me, on my outlook, on my personality, how I felt about my myself, my relationships, everything was, was impacted because of this. And I can say that now because I can look back and reflect. But at the time, I couldn't figure out why things were not working out. And um, coming to university was, it was an escape. It was a way to kind of set that boundary. Um, but my difficulty came when um, me and my dad then kind of stopped talking. And we stopped talking for like eight years. And that had a whole other impact on me was not knowing and constantly worrying. Like he was never separate from me because he was constantly in there and in here, mm -hmm. but I just didn't know how to reach out. And when I did, a couple of times I tried, I was faced with such aggression and just animosity. I was like, I can't be in the situation. So I had to kind of step away and then... Um, <clears throat> A few years later, when my dad passed away, it was just, it was even more devastating because then it was like this, so many unresolved things to put together that, what do I work with first? Do I try to figure out what made him drink? Do I figure out how it made me feel that he was violent towards us? Do I figure out how I feel about losing him? And it was like this huge whirlwind of like everything just like dumped on me at the same time so um it can emotions can get overwhelming even when it's just one of these things mm -hmm. right um so it's not like please don't take that the wrong way this is not like a competition by any means that oh you know yeah but, um for everybody who's tuning in it's about looking at one area of that and then finding help and i'd like to ask ask you both how how do you offer support to people who are are either experiencing this firsthand where they might be the ones who are victims of substance abuse or family members of people who are in those environments. So at this time, like the way Soch is operating and how we started is that we're a health promotion initiative. Our focus is to, you know, because I, I think what we've seen as professionals, like creating more mental health outpatient programs, having more counselors, having more psychiatrists is not really solving the initial issue, which is the stigma. And, you know, both Jasmine and myself, like working at the hospital, like we, I worked at an acute mental health inpatient unit. She worked at CAMH, which is a really big mental health hospital in Toronto on a schizophrenia unit. Then our five years of community mental health experience on the most intensive teams, this pattern just continued to emerge where the information is only getting to individuals that are, that have now entered the system, whether willingly or unwillingly. Um, and to some degree only getting to maybe some of their families, depending on how that information is given. So how Soch has kind of been designed, and I'm going to get to the point of like, you know, if you are struggling with these specific issues, how do you get help and how can we help you? We focus on that education piece, the prevention piece and building resilience. And we've been doing that with 
you know, like today, being on a platform like this, having a conversation, being transparent about our own journeys, our own families. And first of all, anyone tuning in, please know that we all have mental health. We may not all necessarily have a mental illness, but we all have mental health. It's on a spectrum and we all need to learn better. And, you know, we're, I think, professionally on our platform trying to fight for spaces where this conversation can happen earlier and that it be part of schools and and part of workplaces and that you don't necessarily go looking for this when like shit's hitting the fan, like Mm. actually have those skills built into you. So we do a lot of like, you know, workshops and conversations. Um, and, and I like to say that rather than presentations, because Jasmine and myself, like, you know, I think it kind of takes us back to school where you have a lecture. And, and I, I don't know, like, we really find that community learning, storytelling, be, pe- bringing people in together is so powerful and so impactful. And that we want to create spaces where people can learn from one another. So I think I've actually lost count on how many workshops we've done. So we started off with first doing, you know, basic mental health conversations in Brampton and then actually focusing on the South Asian community, which then led us to get into the Gurdwaras, which was extremely difficult as two young females. Gurdwara committees looking at us being like, you know, why are you coming here? This is a place of worship. This is not your search lab this is not where you have these type of conversations but really fighting for consistency and now having an episode with the sick channel called upani soch that airs weekly on mental health so what we've done and what we've been doing is designing workshops and designing conversations and anti-stigma campaigns online where we generate the conversation and we show you different elements of how you can build skills where you can get help and then directly connecting people to support so that's how we're kind of designed. So, you know, as an example with addictions, um, you know, earlier this year, Jasmine had designed in parallel with her thesis an addictions workshop series, uh, which we partnered up with Brampton Library. And it was focusing on family members and supporting family members to understand, you know, addictions, alcoholism as a mental illness, because a lot of people don't understand that. And how do you work on, you know, how do you gain skills on, um, understanding the stories, getting help for yourself and, and that community approach. And similarly with the grief support group, like we designed a six week grief support group, which had a holistic perspective to loss and healing. Um, of course, learning about the symptoms, like how does grief look? It looks very different for everyone, right? What are the symptoms you might experience? How do you cope when you have a family event that you have to go to? you like, I still remember the first big family event I had to attend with my family without my dad. It was so painful. We all struggled. So to learn the skills on how do you manage that? But then also, I think we put our soch touch in, our human touch in, um, where I love that the last session of our grief support group is, it's called channeling your grief. So we collectively uh, decide on a community initiative that we can do. So with our first group of people, we actually all brought in something um, to go to the men's shelter here in Brampton and serve dinner to over 100 residents that were accessing the shelter. Wow. Yeah. That's that's incredible. You guys are doing wonderful things. I'm just I'm blown away by it all. I would love for you to share more about <clears throat> how you were met at the Gurdwara. Like what was that like to bring this topic of mental health, not just into a community mm-hmm. in denial about it, but into the, the religious space where mm-hmm. there's 
utter denial about it. Please tell me. Um, even getting, even before we getting into like the mental health aspect, I remember when Monique was in her fourth year of nursing, she was working on like a diabetes study. So of course I jumped in and I was like, I'll help you. So we went to different Gurdwari and it was about diabetes, which is something we feel like is a prominent issue in our community and people are comfortable talking about it. And when we went to the Gurdwari, we're like, oh, we know we just want to talk to a bunch of people about diabetes this is what we're doing at the front you know one of the babajis was like you know and i remember minita had gotten a response about you know like a thought research center niya i was shocked i was my first engagement with our community in terms of like hey i want to help and i was like what yeah oh like and this was before we were professionals right like we were still students or we still hadn't started so young and naive Pretty much. And then when we started to get the idea about doing Soch workshops, um, so this is still very early on in our Soch journey. Mm. Uh, we went to another Gurdwara and um, we went here because we had heard it was relatively progressive. Um, so we went, you know, we're like, we're going to get in, we're going to do these workshops. Change the world. <laughs> and literally at one point we had the six wounds memorized. So we called one Baba and he was like, okay, Mirevalohaya, go call this one. Call that one. He's like, okay, it's it's good for me, go call this one. And we had all of the names memorized, but it was just like this runaround. And then when Manit went back to the Gurdwara, one of the other Babajis was like, no one's gonna call you back. Like this is what they do. And at that same time, I was planning my wedding and I literally went in, booked a date, paid, and it was done. Right? So it was very discouraging because once again, this is early on the Soch journey. So we and Manit's dad was like, oh, I can come, like, I'll get you guys in. And at that point, we're like, well, what the heck? Like, why should a man have to go? Like, you know, we were very like, what the heck? Um, mm. You know, why should a man have to come? Why can't we go? This is supposed to be a community space. We want to do something for the community. We're not even asking for money. But now in hindsight, we look back and we're like, okay, maybe there was like a misconception about what is our agenda. We understand that there's a huge stigma. And at that time, this was a relatively new thing to approach a Gurdwara to have a mental health discussion. Mm. So of course, at that time, we were very discouraged. And, you know, even Manit's dad, he was like, you guys should go on the radio and blast the Gurdwara and maybe that'll, you know, elicit some change. Yeah. How do you have time for this, right? Like we're working full time, potentially at that time, exploring, wanting to do a master's in the near future or school and then working on an initiative, like just for two people to do all of that. And then I think when things come up, how do you take time to fight these things? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that's kind of what it was. Because yeah, of course. But when you're looking to these spaces, we expect them to be more open and forthcoming to support us because we're not asking them to do the work. We're just asking them to give us the space. And access to the community. And I think that's where Jasmine and I, like, you know, working as mental health nurses in Brampton, the churches here are phenomenal. The community they have built, like, yes, they have like their masses and they do their services on the weekend and they have Sunday school. But they also have a, a soup kitchen that's open for the homeless. They are doing skill building. They're 
teaching them how to build resumes and they're doing all this education, you know, prevention awareness. And it's happening at a place where the community is already coming. And I think that's the thing with mental health and especially talking about such a taboo topic is that it's hard to get people to come to an external space to talk about, like, let's say we're holding a community workshop and it's on mental health. You know, the people that are seeking the information and are in need of it are going to be more likely the ones to come. But when you go to a Gurdwara, you actually hit all the people that are falling through the cracks and the people most likely who need it. And we always say, we're like, you know what? It doesn't matter what someone is going through. Like if they don't have the finances, they have transportation issues. They always find a way to go to the Gurdwara. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I was saying, like before, that was our journey. But like as we grew, as we got more comfortable with our work that we're doing with the community, we kind of just embrace, okay, this is just a challenge that we have to kind of get through. So essentially, the way that we first got into our first Gurdwara for our workshop was um, through um, Sikh Heritage Month. So in April in Ontario, it's Sikh Heritage Month, and we were doing a workshop at um, one of the um, the venues, and it was a, a South Asian discussion. And one of the participants, their dad was actually part of a committee at a Gurdwara. So he approached us at the end and was like, you know, if you, because we also said we were having difficulty getting into the Gurdwara space. So he was like, you know, I can get you connected. And that's essentially how we did mm -hmm. our first uh, mental health workshop. Mm -hmm. We think it's the first mental health workshop in the GTA. Mm -hmm. and, and it had to be through a connection, right? And now we've kind of embraced that. We're like, you know what, if this is how we have to get in, it is what it is. Now we're not like, you know, this is this and this is that. We're like, this is what it is. We'll just do what we have to do. Our purpose now is just to get in wherever we can. And, and I think that's through Soch too. It's all about collaboration, community building, and networking, right? Like networking is huge. It, it allows you to uh, access a different group of people. And why not use someone else's strengths? Mm -hmm. um, so like that workshop was actually covered by Sick Channel. And it aired across Canada, US, UK, and they had such a positive response. At that time, they offered us a space to have our own mental health TV show. So we had initially started with our upbringing social episodes, but it got quite challenging with working full time, doing our masters, and then also spearheading a lot of the community conversations and workshops that we had to kind of step back. But now it's back again, you know, with the pandemic, the convenience of doing it, you know, from the comfort of our home and shooting online. Um, we've actually and even had you as a guest. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, twice. So, you know, like I think it allows you to see how working together can be very profound. Um, but also to say that after that one workshop, we were so excited, we wanted to continue, but the committee changed. So then it was like, we don't know, right? So that was a step back with that. But I think with consistency, with you know accessing the community, people knowing about our work, doing different projects, now we actually have had community communities reach out to us after a mental health crisis, for example, suicide, and them wanting us to come in now, educate the Sangat and provide the support. So we are making way. That's awesome. Still hard, still hard, yeah, it's still hard. I think, I think we've built a portfolio and now we have connections, but it was very challenging. I'm, I'm glad that there's an evolution and that it's, it's getting better. The thing that pains me, and maybe I'm going to poke the bear or whatever, but um, 
I've had my own struggles with the whole Gurdwara space, as I'm sure many of the people tuning in have as well. And a lot of it comes down to my, from my experience, to being female and being younger. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're just brushed off, you're, you're disregarded. It doesn't matter. Like, do the batiya te nuki pata. Yeah. Like, and our families do the world. Sorry? I'm like, our families say that, right? Like, when we first started mental health nursing and, you know, started to preach our gyan, they're just like, what do you know? Right? right. So. But I think that's for anyone in your home. Parents look at you and they're like, you know, to see nyaneo, to see bacheo. But I think also at some point, some point to acknowledge, like, you know, we have gained this experience. We are, we are all learners. Like we're all seeking to learn, right? Like on this path. But I, 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 we truly felt if we at that time were, you know, we were men and maybe we looked a certain way and we approached them, I'm sure we would have been able to do it. Yeah, I have to agree with you because I think that that's true. And I say that from my own experiences and what I've seen. And I think it's to call out, I, I appreciate that you guys are looking at it from the positive perspective, that you persevered, you had a vision, you had the dream to want to do good and do seva and support the community. You reached out to the community organization and we're going to call that the Gurdwara, right? But you weren't met with the support that you needed to enable you to start your work back then. And that that hurts me that we're still there. Like, yes, we're slowly, slowly, slowly progressing. But when when Sikhi was born, we were more progressive than we are now. Yeah. Right? So it's about... I think we we do have a layer of work to do as a community. You guys are doing your part, but I mean, like everybody else who's tuning in, who's involved with Gordore and involved in these community spaces, that we have to call these things out. We have to be more open-minded and more forthcoming to bring on new initiatives into the Gordore yeah. space. Like what you just described there about the church system, right? Um, they have infrastructure. We have infrastructure. Why are we not doing that? If we were offering those skills and those spaces in our community, imagine how different our communities would be. Imagine and how even, different our young people would be. Yeah, and even learning like in our Sikh history, like I didn't know this, but like they're like our Gurdwaras were our community yeah. spaces. Like people were getting medical treatment. Like it was a holistic space. Mm -hmm. And Yes, you know, I think in my understanding of Sikhi and like how I practice it, of course, it's important to, you know, learn about the scriptures and pray. But a big component is how do you action that all out, right? Like, how do you now do the good work and help the community? And you have a right, like you, if you have a space and you have an access to the community, you have no right to deny them help. And mm -hmm. even from that, I still remember like, cause that, that workshop was so emotional. I remember crying and I'm like, oh my God, this is being like live recorded and streamed everywhere. But it was just the human experience mm -hmm. where we had, you know, someone who was attending and that person just happened to be at the Gurdwara that weekend. They came in, joined the conversation and shared. She's like, my daughter died by suicide. I wish I heard you. Spoke. I, I wish I heard you speak earlier. Maybe she could have gotten help. That's devastating. Like you're hold, you're in a way, if you're refusing space for these conversations, you're withholding information that can save and change someone's life.
Yeah. Because churches even have spaces for AA meetings, right? And I did hear that, like, usually the UK is way more advanced than we are in terms of addictions and the Sikh and Chubby community. And I did hear that they are starting to use Gurdwara spaces, but that's essentially what we need, right? Like to have just the space where we can have these conversations in Punjabi. Yes, um, usually males in our community are the ones that do have the drinking problem and we might not address them, but their family members are probably coming to the Gurdwara and they can get that information. Absolutely. We, we need to have more inclusive spaces that allow education to happen. Gurdwaras were supposed to be learning centers. Mm-hmm. And that, that they should be open to all people of all faiths for all needs. Like that's the ideal of what they should be. And I think just addressing and pointing out these shortcomings allows us space to contemplate and hopefully bring some reform somewhere because it just makes me sad when as women we're trying to do good, but we're still being like kind of pushed to the back of the line. Mm-hmm. I like yourselves, you know, I still persevered through it, but my concern lies with the younger generation where we kind of don't take rejection so well, especially when it comes from these spaces that are supposed to be supportive. That What if somebody out there wants to do good, but because they've been rejected, they didn't have the confidence to continue. And I think that's where we have to hold the community accountable, that we've got to step up into those spaces and embrace that, that change to bring it in. Um, do you want to share with us before we get to the end of the show some more about Sorch and how people can connect with you? Yeah, of course. So essentially, if you do want to connect with us, you can email us at info at sochmentalhealth.com. We are very active on social media, so we post every day on Instagram and Facebook. What we usually do is we'll pick a topic or a theme and we'll post about it for that week. So for example, um, this week, we're posting more about alcohol addiction. We had a topic, um, we had a guest on the Sick channel, so snippets about their discussion about alcohol in the Sick community. So every day we'll post something. And uh, there's videos in English and Punjabi on our Instagram, Facebook, as well as our website. So that's something you can also check out because we do try to target like that intergenerational approach of course, social media is more about maybe the 20s to 40s age group. Um, that's kind of why when we used to do our workshops before COVID um, in person, they were targeted towards everybody. So it doesn't mean that you have to have a mental illness to attend a workshop or join the conversation or join our Soch family, as we call it. If anyone ever you know, sees our Instagram or Facebook, we usually start with by saying, hey, Soch family. Because essentially that's kind of what we're trying to cultivate here, a community where you feel you are part of something where we can come together to collectively change our community switch about mental health. So I, actually have, uh, I was just going to add, I have my like nieces and nephews every time they see me, they're like, hello, Soch family. And they say it in the exact tone that I say it in. Because I guess when I say it, I get really excited every time I make a story for Instagram. So it's, it's a... Uh, it's so nice that even like within our both respective families, like all everyone knows the work we're doing. We feel that all our get togethers or parties become soch parties and mental health doesn't always have to be a serious conversation. Like it comes up organically. People are always making suggestions. So I did just want to plug that in as Jasmine was saying, anyone yeah. watching today, you're part of our soch family. We exactly. have 
So check us out on Facebook, Instagram. We post daily. Our website has more information, um, you know, smorely, um, like information about certain resources. But if you have a particular question um, about the particular region that you're from, you can always send us an email, info at sochmentalhealth.com or send us a DM, Facebook, Instagram, and we'll get back to you and plug you in with those community supports as well. And, and just to like add to that, like we have some, we've had, we've onboarded a large number of volunteers at this time. Things got halted, you know, with things, how, what the world has come to this year. Yeah. Um, so we are now coming in with like a new angle for the remaining part of the year. And I think the nice thing is, is access. Like we're going to be running a lot of our conversations and platforms online. Um, so one of the things that's kicking off next month is like a South Asian men's forum um, that we actually was, we had implemented in collaboration with the Rapki, which is the men's mental health organization in the UK. And we're also, we have a group of volunteers who want to spearhead a women's space, like a monthly forum. Um, so I'm really excited about some of the opportunities and projects. So just to keep an eye out, we will be resuming our workshop starting, you know, August, more, more so end of August, but for sure, uh, September. And if any community member does have any idea, um, you can always reach out to us because that's kind of how Soch works. It's not just that Minnie and I decide, okay, this month we're going to do this topic. Let's create the workshop. We really do try to work in collaboration with the community. And one of the examples we always give is um, early on when we first started Soch, we had a community member reach out. She was, she's currently in medical school. And at that time, her neighbor, who I believe was South Asian, had died by suicide related to postpartum depression. So she was really passionate about this topic. She, you know, heard about Soch online. She reached out to us and was like, I want to do a workshop or I want you guys to focus on a workshop on postpartum depression in the South Asian community. So we worked together and we created that workshop and we ended up doing it all in Punjabi. And that workshop is one of our most popular ones, even though we've only done it two or three times. Um, that kind of just shows the power of community, right? So if you have any idea that you want to start, you want to get this conversation going in the community, reach out to us and we can see how we can collaborate. Especially now, it can be a global collaboration because the power of technology. Absolutely. You guys are, are absolutely incredible. And I want to be part of everything that you're that you're talking about. We need to have everybody who's part of the Core Voices community to join the Sort family and get involved in these events. Um, you have access to me as a sick music therapist. However, I can support any of the initiatives that you're doing. You know, I'm a phone call away, and I hope that everybody who's watching is going to reach out to you and extend their support as well, because globally and just on a humanitarian level. This is what we need to be doing is reaching in and supporting each other. And I'm so proud of you both for the work that you're doing. Really, really proud and grateful as well. So can you tell us um, when Apani Sorch airs, which day and which time so people can tune in? Yeah, so we it actually live streams on Sick Channel's Facebook and YouTube page at 4 p.m. Eastern time every Sunday. And then they do air it on their network on TV at 7.30 p.m. on Sundays. But we, you know, usually if on the weekend you're not available, we do always post it on our Facebook and it's we upload the episode to our website. So it's not that, you know, if it's like if it, you, it, you missed it. So, so far we've done, you know, episodes with yourself on domestic violence, um, you know, sick, 
sick music and therapy. Um, we focused on grief and loss at this time and how funerals operate, men's mental health, anxiety, um, the addictions. Mental health, addictions, mental health of international students. So we're covering an array of topics. Um, some topics to come uh, are eating disorders, like someone's lived experience with an eating disorder of, and being within the South Asian community, um, suicide. So we are evolving and kind of exploring different episodes, uh, different topics within the episodes. Um, but I, I did want to mention that, you know, even with you sharing, like to join our community, we ask that any person who watches this segment to share with one other person. And that's all it takes. Just share the link or share information about Soj because it's it's not, we do want to help people that are impacted by mental illness. But I think our goal is promotion, prevention and resilience. And you never know who needs this information. And we can always learn better skills that for when those times come, we are better equipped to deal with it. Absolutely. I like that to share it with one other person, right? That's the first step to making a difference. And before we part ways, would you both like to share a little message with our viewers? Anything you'd like to give them as a takeaway? Kind of just piggybacking off of what Manit said, um, our, our space is for anybody. You don't have to have a mental illness because you are going to go through ups and downs in your life, whether it's the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, a relationship. You're going to have those days. So let's educate ourselves, let's build that awareness, you know, destigmatize mental health because in Canada there's a statistic that one in five Canadians might um, deal with a mental illness, but five in five have mental health. So if you take anything away from this conversation is that we all have mental health, just like we have to take care of our physical body, we also have to take care of our mind. And, and with that, like, you know, if you are going through a hard time or, you know, like just very even you mentioned, like growing up, you're like, why me? Why my household? Like anyone listening, know whatever's happening to you and how you're feeling. It's not your fault. Mm. Like, you are not responsible. It's not your fault. Like if your circumstances are a certain way or you do have a mental illness or you are struggling, like it's not your fault. It's It's OK. And also to know that you don't have to deal with it by yourself. This It's so hard to take that initial step. And I also do appreciate that sometimes people have taken steps and reached out and, and it hasn't panned out or they didn't get the connection that they wanted. Don't give up. There is help out there. Like, I mean, Soch might have an approach that may not speak to a certain group of people. And that's okay because there are other things. You have to find something and we are one of many mm. so don't give up oh, that's beautiful thank you and i think that is really important to not give up not give up on yourself and on your own emotional and mental wellness there is an abundance of support out there my beautiful sisters at Soch are incredible and they're holding that space for us so i'm asking everybody in the core voices community to reach out show your love and your support to Soch. And let's help make these conversations normal. Let's destigmatize them and be able to sit and just be ourselves and hold our emotions and know what healthy mental health looks like. Thank you both so much, Monique and Jasmeet. You have been fantastic. It's been a pleasure to have you on the Core Voices show today. And I'm looking forward to having you guys back again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.